So there you are, trying to figure out what your business needs versus what you want. You're, you have this vision of what your business can ultimately be like, what your job within your position can ultimately be like, but you have the headache of what you have, what you have to do right now, today. It's troublesome. It's not aligned exactly with what you want, and that's a pain in the ass to get through. This is the, the big gap that nobody really talks about when it comes to entrepreneurship. It's the the one thing that every what what everybody likes talking about is the top of the hill, what it's like, the view at the top of the hill. But nobody really talks about how much shit you have to go through that you have to do in order to finally do what you love to do. Unless you're just sitting on a pile of cash and you can hire out a bajillion people to do all of the things so that you're only doing what you love to do. You got to be able to do the things that you have to do in order to do the things that you love to do. And that's what we're going to talk about today here on podcast episode 11 of Creative Entrepreneurship. I'm going to dive into my own story, even stories of other even more successful entrepreneurs than myself on the struggles that they've gone through in order to achieve what they ultimately want, as well as some failure stories, people who wanted to achieve the thing, but ultimately stopped their business. It almost a realm of failure, which we all want to avoid when we're getting into our own uh, startup and in our own entrepreneurship career. I have Jack with me today as our content producer. My name is Max Mueller. Nice to meet you. If we haven't digitally shaken hands yet, hit the subscribe follow button. Uh, short term wise, this sucks. It's stressful as hell. If you're clicking and watching and tuning into this, it's because you're you're trying to figure out how to deal with the crap that you need to do that your business is demanding while looking at the things that you want to be doing and being like, you know, I, I want to be doing this, but all my time is going to the things that I have to be doing. How can I position myself so that I am only doing the things that I really want to be doing? Now, again, that is extremely stressful in the short term, but let's also talk about the long term, which just this is this is scary. Like this is when you when you think about this continuing to happen and if you continue to allow this to happen, you will ultimately create a monster. Your business becomes something that you did not want it to become. And I have multiple friends who are entrepreneurs. I know of even like past clients that we've worked with who have built up these incredible businesses. From afar, you're looking at that thing like, holy crap, they're making a ton of money. They're, they're servicing a ton of clients. It seems like they're in this really cool industry or niche. But when you have a back-end conversation with them, maybe a glass of wine or two with them, they're like, dude, I, I'm fucking, I'm trying to get out. Right, because I've built, they literally say, I've created a monster. And the reason why I'm doing this podcast is because <laughs> I've seen V, my own company, start going in that direction. And I have to wrangle that beast sometimes to be like, oh, no, 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 we're not going down that direction. We need to go this way. I've, I've, I'll, I'll mention a, um, a woman that I know. She uh, was running a multi million dollar company, multiple, by the way, multi million per year, um, revenue wise. She ended up shutting her business down, diluting the entire business because she created something that she didn't ultimately want to be doing. Now, there, there's like a huge argument to that. There's the side where it's like, well, listen, you, you've built a successful business. You're helping a ton of people. Like, shouldn't you find a way to like make that sustainable or continue working? Or shouldn't you just be able to like hire a ton of people and have that run on its own? There's, there's more to it than that. Theoretically, yes. Realistically, there's a lot of things that you have to overcome and especially in a timely period so that you're not going through this type of burnout so that you're not going, especially as the leader of the company, when everyone's looking up at you and they're, they're 
they're feeling good, but they also feel this like weird thing happening in within the culture of the company because the leader is a little bit off. They're like, what's what's happening? And if you continue like showing up and like faking it till you make it, as they say, you're you're really not just hurting yourself, you're hurting the people around you too. And for example, with this woman, I'm not, I'm just gonna keep her name, you know, private. Um with this woman, she ended up hiring those leadership positions under her. She's a smart, badass woman. She ended up hiring leadership positions under her. She ran this type of like coaching and, and community. Um, I'm going to keep it vague, but this type of coaching offer. And she hired coaches underneath of her, um, which you would think, okay, well, if she was the main coach and she hired the coaches under her, like hands off, she's good to go, right? Like it should be fine now. Not necessarily the case. The coaching is the core service, but there are many other things you got to do to run the biz. There, I mean, that's just one of the things out of the whole list. And now, don't get me wrong. You could hire the accountant to do the accounting. You could hire the the tax professional to handle the tax. You could hire the 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 advertising agency to handle your ads, whatever the case may be. So while there's this long list of things that she now has to be doing outside of coaching, guess what? She guess why she got into the business in the first place. She wanted to be the coach. She wanted to be that person. But in order to have the most amount of impact that she wanted, she wanted to delegate that work. She wanted to have more coaches to serve more people. But then ultimately, there she was not doing the thing. And all of these other things were starting to bite at her ankles, become a more and more of a demand. And I'm talking high level for you guys because this is what it ultimately becomes. In the beginning, don't get me wrong. You're still wearing multiple hats. You got to do all the small things. Again, unless you got a big pile of cash to sit on, which I did not have. I was starting from freaking goose egg, nada, zero. And, and when you get through that process of, Okay, now I'm delegating the work. Like for, I'll use myself as an example. I don't do basically any of the fulfillment work anymore. Like I, I will check in with clients sometimes, but I have a incredible team that handles it. Most of which are smarter than me. That's why I hire people is because they're better and smarter than me to do the things, if not faster, more organized. Right? When I pulled myself out of out of the fulfillment work, it was a really weird moment for me, Jack. Where I was like, wait a second, I got into this because I really like branding. I like developing someone's brand so that they can represent themselves better which attracts better clients and customers for themselves and and ultimately allows them to help more people and impact the world on a greater note but now i'm not doing the thing anymore now i'm like behind the scenes leading this team of (laughs) i'm leading a team of leaders who have their own departments that they're handling it's weird it's this change that happens and i even go through that sometimes where it's like this is what the business needs but maybe not necessarily what i want so how do you deal with that? The very first thing that I've always done is from the very, maybe like within the first two months of the business, I started writing out a step-by-step process. And I was actually very much inspired by Henry Ford, who is known for basically starting the production line, where it's like one person is here, the next person is here, and it basically is handed off from one person into the next. And I wrote that off, not just for a person basis, because now we're in 2023, and this applies for years to come, we have automations. We have computers that can substitute people. And so when you write down every single step of the process, you can then understand, and and literally I do it on a piece of paper or even my iPad, and I just circle the ones that I do want. And typically that's one, maybe two things that I ultimately really want to be doing. And then I, I try to find other people to do the rest. Now, <laughs> the best thing to do in my experience is to not just circle the things that you ultimately want to be doing, maybe in like a, a bold green right color, but then with a 
bold red color, you do the things that you really don't want to do. And guess what my very first hire was? It was, I hate to say it, client communication, right? It was more of like the the mundane things like, hey, can we get this simple adjustment done? You know, like I, I just didn't need to be in those time consuming tasks. So I, my very first hire was getting that person to handle those things. Now, as your business evolves, you're going to realize that your process continues to change. It continues to to improve and become faster, become uh, maybe there's less steps because you're getting better at what you're doing, or maybe you have more people on the team. So you don't have to circle so many red uh, circles around the different steps, right? But then there's the question of like, I'll give you my own example. There's the question of me right now, and I believe every CEO is responsible for two things. And, and this is me after analyzing some of the top CEOs of not just today, but even in the past. I mentioned Henry Ford. We could look at Mark Zuckerberg or uh, Jeff Bezos, for example. The two things that they do very, very well is that they develop the offer. They're basically developing whatever it is their core service is. They're developing the offer as well as sharing the offer. Mark Zuckerberg especially has been coming over the past few years, he's been coming out of the woodworks to be like, hey, listen, I'm not just some CEO on the background who's doing uh, these intricate things with my uh, my tech specialists or my uh, developers, but I'm going to come front facing with you and show you the meta goggles that we've been working on, right? You even see with Elon Musk, he's coming to the forefront to not just be like, I'm not just working on th this badass new Tesla with my uh, you know uh, car designers on the back end, but I'm going to step forward and go from developing the offer to sharing the offer. Those are the two things that every CEO should be responsible for. But, but even in my scenario, and you and I were just talking about this this morning, so I'm pretty fired up on it. Even in my own case, where I'm developing the offer for V on the back end with the leaders of the company, and then stepping into the forefront to talk about the offer through organic pieces of content, through ads, through different strategic partnerships, uh, the list goes on with our different marketing efforts. The one thing that I question and I relate to a lot of other entrepreneurs who are further in the journey, and we're doing this podcast so that you guys can see and actually know what, like I'm almost hesitant to even do this pod because I didn't have this information. And this is this is the shit that you don't want to hear, that you, but you probably should hear. It's a matter of being like, okay, here I am developing the offer and I'm sharing the offer as every CEO sh should really be doing. The question remains of, am I ultimately achieving the full potential of myself? My hair just go standing up on the back of my neck. Because for me, I don't just look at V being my world anymore. For a long time, I was looking at my business as a world within its own. And honestly, when you're broke, you have to look at your business in that way. It's like, this is your world. This is how you go about things. But now as I've finally gotten, you know, years and years later to this point of taking a breath and looking and basically like picking my head up to see the the world as a whole, the macro economies happening and, and the trends that are happening globally, I've been able to, and maybe it is over the past years, I've been able to stack up this amount of experience for myself where I just, maybe I have enough confidence now to say I could be doing much more than just helping people grow their brands. And don't get me wrong, that's important. I'm not saying I'm getting rid of that. I'm saying there might just be another angle that I could play. There might be another shifting gears where we could take V and do more with them. I low-key dropped that we might be working with NASA yeah, on a recent very podcast. Low key. <laughs> <laughs> like there's there are bigger things that I want to be working on that are that are so important to be considering. And it's all based on the question of what is your ultimate potential, right? 
And I, I, I wish I asked myself that question a little bit more in the beginning, but I, I honestly was just too broke. Like I, I didn't have the luxury to ask myself like, all right, Max, what's your ultimate potential? It's like, dude, I, I need to figure out my, like my, my grocery bill next month. Like I'm trying to figure out the, the small things, not what type of world change I'm going to have. But when you, I mean, here's the biggest takeaway. When you put your head down and do the things that you have to do, you are going to feel the momentum and you're going to start this type of stack of credibility that not only you will feel confident in, but anyone associated with you will feel confident in. For example, the clients that work with us, they know that they know that basically myself and even the leaders on the team, I'll revert back. I'll say in the first couple of years, like within the first two years of the business, they knew that whenever they spoke to me, I had a stack of experience where they were like, holy shit, I know that I, they he that dude is like anywhere from two to 20 steps in front of me and I'm, I want to learn that information. Then I started doing that for the leaders on the team. And then the leaders on the team started, basically employees of mine, started to get more and more experience and they became leaders. I didn't just like hire leaders. I, again, I didn't have the luxury to do that. I, didn't, I wasn't plucking from Google um, or, or Facebook meta. But now with this stack of results and this type of delegation that I've been able to have, I finally have this breathing room where on a week to week, month monthly basis, I can structure my weeks to be like, okay, during, roughly during this amount of time, I'm going to be developing the offer, uh, both by myself, you know, on the back end with the leaders on the team. And then during this amount of time, I'm going to be sharing the offer within this type of content on a weekly basis or biweekly, you know, this on a biweekly basis, we're mainly doing our content. Um, and then that leaves enough room for me to not just put my head down and grind, do the things I have to do, but pull my head up and look a little bit bigger. And you, you and I were discussing this earlier. There's things that I want to get into that are larger global impacts um the first step that i want to be taking ultimately and and this is all very much in the development stage but soon i want to be getting into real estate on a larger scale i want to get it beginning into sustainability i want to work with bigger companies that have much larger reach than even some of our emerging brands um have today with the current entrepreneurs so and by the way we work with anyone from like a but we only work with people who are experienced. We're not working with new kids off the block. Um, but if we if they have a few years experience, some great case studies, fantastic. We want to work with them and help them reach more people. Now, some of those people are as big as like Damon John from Shark Tank, uh, large scale entrepreneurs who do have a massive, massive reach. But even them, in consideration to some of the bigger companies out there, they are reaching only a fraction of the reach. So how can I take the, the marketing arm that V is? And that's how our clients even say it. They're like, V is basically my marketing arm. Like we literally are placing talent, marketing talent inside of businesses. And so we become this marketing arm that allows them to like, I literally think of like this big strong arm where it comes in and gives them the brand strength and brand awareness that they ultimately need. And so now that that is proven, I want to take that to the next level. And I'm saying this mainly because not to fucking, you know, toot my own horn over here, but, but to maybe give a, a sense of, how the journey goes and how it fucking sucks and i realize like it sucks having to do the thing because if you're anything like me you didn't have the money to just like pay for a sales leader immediately you had to i had to take all the sales calls myself i had to implement all the systems myself i had to do all of in the beginning i was doing all the video editing in the beginning i was doing all of the client communication like i was doing every single th those steps that i mentioned earlier 
there was a max underneath of every single one of those steps in the process. And then there was one less and then one less and then one less. And now that there's only a couple left, unfortunately with that woman that, that the few that were left and by the way, like <laughs> it's, it's so easy to, to shame someone and be like, you know, well, she could have sold the business. She could have done this. It's that is not as easy as it sounds. When you finally get to that point, I think the most important takeaway is to have is to build something that doesn't become a monster you can't control, but to become a monster that you can direct, right? To, and and almost like you know, it reminds me of like in Star Wars. There's this gigantic monster, and there's this one guy who knows how to tame the monster. You need to be that guy. You want to like create this thing that's like big and strong and can fucking take on anything, right? But you're the one who directs it. And when you tell that thing to sit, it sits. When you think that when you tell that thing to go, it fucking goes quick. If you don't have that handle on things, which typically comes before you need to tell it to sit and go, you got to you got If you don't have a handle on things, it's going to be a monster you can't control. If you do have the handle on things, which is just a matter of you working hard, getting the things done, but also pulling your head up to ensure that you're building this and going in the right direction, then you're going to be in a really great state. Well, I think what you're getting at are levels, right? Like you're talking about right now, the level that you're at, you have the, call it luxury, to pick your head up and say, all right, what else can I do? Like what can I do more of that, yeah. I, that I want to do? Um, not ne- necessarily financially driven, right? Yeah. Where you're like, oh, this will make me a lot of money. You're like, what can I do that might make me money now in the future, but more so the impact that I want to have. Um, and I think that's the point that we're trying to get at with entrepreneurs in that uh, you know earlier stage where the po- whole point of entrepreneurship is to have, not the whole point, but you want to have control of your life. Hmm. You want to be able to build a life through a business that allows you the freedom, whether it's time freedom, financial freedom, location independence, whatever it may be for that individual. Um, and if you build that monster that you're talking about unknowingly, you're losing control of this life that you wanted to build. And I think that's a something for people getting into the entrepreneurship journey to consider is it's so easy for somebody, somebody to say like the woman in your experience, in your uh, example, Oh, well, you know, if you're making a few million a year, yeah. suck it up. Right. Right. But like, it, how, like, how could you, uh, like, yeah. How could you hate that-, that? But she lost control of her life that she wanted to build. And for her, the money was not really a factor anymore. I'm assuming. You know, she was like, I would rather. It, was, it wasn't. It yeah. was like, and that's why she was able to confidently and even comfortably like exit. Yeah. And people who aren't in that position might look at that and say, that's crazy. If I was making a few million a year, I would do whatever. And for her, for somebody like that, who's got that entrepreneurial kind of edge to them is like, oh, I can't actually do what I want to do anymore. All right. I'm out. Right. This is not the what I wanted to build or this turned into something else. I'm out. You know, maybe I'll start something else with all the knowledge and experience that I gained from that. That might make me, you know, a few hundred thousand a year, but I'll be able to do exactly what I want when I want. And I'll have full control of the entire system and I'll know exactly what's happening and it won't get out of control. Even if the money is crazy, it's the quality of life at that point. You've accomplished the thing you've gotten and a lot of entrepreneurs come from a place of despair 
a lot of entrepreneurs come from a place of problems, insecurities that they've grown up with or they've that have massively impacted their lives and they are looking to solve that thing. You know, you mentioned the word unknowingly building and that is that is always the case. You're not I mean, unless you got a freaking loose screw, you're not knowingly or intentionally building a monster that you don't want to control. Like but the thing is looking at those looking at your gauges to be like where is this thing going right i think of you know if i'm if i'm using the metaphor of make sure you're picking your head up to go in the right direction if you're driving a car you're looking at your gauges what where's my gas tank at do i need to refuel at some point do i need to take a break from this and then re- refuel do i need to look at my my oil change and get the like something fixed up here i mean those are perfect metaphors for for business especially you know you mentioned levels right in level 1 you got to be doing it right because at that point, you're like almost on a, a huge, like a, a, a pivot that can swing left or right very, very easily. But then as your business continues to grow, that 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 pivot becomes harder and bigger. Your business just becomes bigger. So it's harder to, to pivot something that's bigger. And then it gets really big, right? But whatever direction that you're taking, it's probably going to go faster as well. So whatever direction you're taking, you got to make sure that you're constantly adjusting your pivot point to where you want to be. And I think nowadays, too, with how, you know, it's very hard for, let's say, a brick and mortar mom and pop shop to all of a sudden have like this crazy scale where the they're making way more money than they thought they would. You know, business is insane. That's not necessarily the case for online businesses. Like depending on what what you're in, whether it's e-commerce or coaching, consulting, you could, you know, you could have an ad go viral and all of a sudden your systems are overwhelmed with sales calls yeah. and you're like, well, I, I was not prepared for this speed. So to your gauge point, looking at your speedometer, like how fast am I going right now? Am I comfortable going this fast? Because as you hit those levels, you can go a little bit faster. And it's at the beginning, you're like, all right, let's go 25 miles an hour, controllable. And it's like, all right, I'm very comfortable here. Let's notch it up to 50 miles an hour, right? And you don't want to all of a sudden be going 200 miles an hour with right. your hair on fire. Like, oh my God, I have no idea what's going on and this is not what I wanted to do. Right, and, and to that point there, Jack, is you mentioned sales calls. And I, I think about like putting on the sales cap where it's like, okay, I, I need to wear different hats when I'm starting my business. Am I am I okay with wearing that sales hat? For example, with me, I was on sales calls every single day for a long, long period of time. I mean, years. Like I was literally taking all of the sales calls myself, mainly because I was getting product market fit, and I, I was, and and I would, I should have done it less for a less amount of time. But man, that made me such a better sales person. That ultimately allows me to lead a sales team where we have multiple guys right now who are just doing the thing. But the, to that point of, are you okay putting on that sales hat for a long period of time? Are you okay putting on wh- whatever hat you're not able to currently delegate? For a long period of time and that's where it leads to just to be freaking honest entrepreneurship not being the solution for everyone like i sometimes envy <laughs> i'm not gonna lie for sometimes i envy people who don't have to wear all those hats As, especially you know a couple of years ago where i was doing so many of the different things like I, w- I would look at some of my friends roles and and especially if they were doing something cool i'd be like damn like they're doing something really freaking cool and here I am grinding my ass off, dr- doing all of the things, wearing a, like, I'm not a sales, like, I don't consider myself a salesy guy. I Like, our sales guys know this, and if you if you creep on any of our 
freaking sales videos, you'll notice that I have a very anti-sales approach. Like when we when we get onto a call with someone, it is very nonchalant. It's a very casual conversation because the last thing I want to do is be Wolf of Wall Street, like buy or die. Which, by the way, I I was taught that in the beginning stages, and the type of responses that you would get from people being like, "Listen, like it sounds like you're you're just being pushy here. It sounds like you really just want me to do this, right?" That's the worst, man. That's where you're like. Yeah, you know, you're buying into this culture. You have other people that are thinking the same thing. Fuck that. Like, that's not, I'm not trying to persuade anyone. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, if anything, prescribe someone something from my own professional expertise to say like, hey, listen, I see the current position that you're in. It seems like you want to be here. This is the type of offer that we give. You can go find any other offer out there. By all means, I'm sure you're going to. That's what I would do. I would go look at all the other options. If you want to go forward with this, Here's here's how it works. Here's how it works. Why people like doing this opposed to other options is A, B, and C. Let me know what you decide. It's like balls in their court. I'm not saying so for a hundred dollars off, you can get started right now. You're gonna do it? What do you say? Yeah? You're gonna get your wife on the phone? You're gonna do this? Or you're gonna get your husband on the phone? You're gonna get your business partner? Let's go. Right? I've been there before. That sucks. And my point is reverting back is what what do you what are you willing to do? What do you like for and I'm talking about if you want to have a business that really explodes and does have a massive amount of impact, you better be willing to put those hats on for a long period of time. Um, and and listen, man, or woman, whoever's listening to this, it might be worth your time to explore options working for someone where you have the opportunity to do the thing without having to wear all the other hats. And that's pretty pretty incredible. Like that's where maybe even for your position or for other folks on the team where you know I'm, I'm immediately thinking of like almost everyone on the team, they love what they do. And every time I check in with them, they're like, I really love this. Like, I'm growing within my role. This role is evolving within its own. And I get to really see this like progress, right? I mean, listen, that will happen to entrepreneurs. But what about the systems, the automations that you got to do, the sales, the the HR that you have to be spending more time? It's a lot of work, man. It, it's just like, don't please, for the love of God, just Hopefully you can tell by my voice and my tone and my stories, like this is real. This is not just the the cool Instagram video that you see of of yeah, Grant Cardone being like, look at this jet, bro. Like, look at this. You could have this, bro. What are you doing? Like, do your own like and I'm not like Grant Cardone has some things that I actually do appreciate, but just don't fall into that trap of like the online image that entrepreneurship is. It is a f- mother effing grind it is such a grind and not to mention if you're in a relationship i can't imagine trying to start a business and again in my own shoes the scenario that i was in i didn't have money that's a huge huge caveat to this if you don't have money you need to do the thing yourself because you don't you can't pay with your money so you got to pay with your time in the beginning you're, you're doing all of the damn things if you have the money sweet man like i'm I'm envious of you. Like I, 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 a part of me wishes I had that. A part of me is so grateful that I didn't have that. But maybe that is the token where it's like, you know what? Maybe I will go work for someone for X amount of time. And if that job just continues to be great, I'm just going to keep doing that. Right. But maybe, or on the other end, maybe I'll just save up my money because one day I do want to get into this and I don't want to do all this position. Just to be honest with you though, I, I don't know. I don't know if that would work because I haven't been through it myself. And, and a lot of people that I do know who have taken that route um, oftentimes struggle because if you are hiring someone, then 
They're implementing the thing that they've learned elsewhere, and now they're trying to apply it to your own business. You know what I mean? And that doesn't always equate. Like It's not like, oh, well, you crushed it with sales at this other place, so you're going to come into my business and be the perfect salesperson. Or you crushed it with um, HR at this other place, so now you're going to be able to crush it with my business. Different cultures, different goals and values that you probably want to implement for your own business. Um, and not to mention when people make those shifts, they're looking for something new. They're not just trying to like, if they were liking the thing that they did at the old job, they would continue doing the old job. They're coming to your place because they want something new. They want something fresh and they want to change. So if you're trying to hire them because they crushed it with the other thing and now you're expecting the same thing for your business, it, that does not make sense. If you're now a, a better well thought out idea would be to say okay i've seen your experience that you've had at this other place here is what i'm expecting to do in this place now let's go ahead and move forward with this at the same time you're still going to have to overlap with that person so in my in my experience if it was um it, not just sales not just systems it's also like web design and branding and talent recruitment like finding the people in the first place I was doing all those things myself, but even if you hired some type of recruiter to come in, even if it's an agency, it could be like a third party freelance or whatever, you're still going to have to overlap with those people. And if you don't have that experience, that's going to ultimately uh, uh, yield a weak point, uh, a weakness that is going to slow down the business. So while you can pay for speed, you might not be having that enough quality within that process uh, to ensure that you are building the beast that you can wrangle, not that is fucking a wild thing that nobody can wrangle yeah or ultimately not be able to wrangle <sighs> deep stuff here jack and if you guys are tuning into this podcast with audio only feel free to hop over to our youtube channel where you can comment down below in the video section by the way that's where we add way more visuals stats and so much more so hop over to youtube if you have any cues or comments and we can help respond to you there jack let's keep going though because this is I mean, this is the shit that they don't want to hear. Like, this is not a fun podcast to listen to. It's honestly not fun to talk about, to be frank with you. This is the real shit, though. Like, knowledge is power. And I'm we're doing this just because our my experience, really, and, and the experiences that we've had, even the experiences that you've had, have been allowing us to curate this type of knowledge that's easier to consume, more powerful for you to use moving forward. Um, it just makes me think about how we couldn't possibly say the entrepreneurship route is for everyone or the employee route is for everyone. Maybe that would get us more views and more reach. If we were super polar and we're like, fuck this, you have to do that. Right. It's like, but the, that's just not real. Like that's not the way the world works. The world works because there are these types of entrepreneurs. And then if there was only a world of entrepreneurs, <laughs> nobody would be able to do the work. There wouldn't be any teams because everybody would just be these independent entrepreneurs. But I love that term that you used, which is entrepreneur, which the best, I mean, the most successful businesses, even if you look at Google and I had some friends that worked at Google, they are very, um, very much uh, um, incentivized to come up with new opportunities. Uh, even uh, other jobs that I've previously worked at, um, the, the best companies are looking for their people to not just do the thing and keep their head down, but to look up and look around and be like, oh, we could go this direction, look at this opportunity. And just yesterday, you you actually did that with us with a great idea I'm pumped about, uh, where you're like, Max, I think this is quite opportunistic. And you, you kind of felt my resistance <laughs> a little bit, but I was listening to you and I was trying to hear you out because that is something that we incentivize here too. And we want and we encourage that type of entrepreneurial spirit where it's, hey, there's change happening. 
or there's opportunity in this realm, what if we approach it in this way, right? Now, the first thing that I asked you to do was, I was like, all right, well, Jack, let's first off play it out. And number two, I want to see how other people have played that idea out. How were they successful with it? Were they unsuccessful with it? How would we do it differently, right? Or do it even better? Those types of things allow for anyone listening to this to maintain that creative entrepreneurship spirit where you can take your passion and turn it into a more profitable business. But let's not just say it has to be your business. It, it can be within someone else's business. And you know, we were just talking about this, and I think we should bring it up again for the viewers, is what if there was an opportunity for you to make, let's say, a cool 150K, You're making over six figures, $150,000 a Solid year. Solid income. Solid income by maybe starting your own gig. Let's run with that. Yeah. I, I was I was just saying that I think a lot of people don't understand the problems that come with more money, right? Bigger businesses have bigger problems. Mo money, mo problems. <laughs> I, <was laughs> I knew, say. knew you were going for that. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people are are too stuck on you know the billion dollar tech companies or yeah. the hundred million dollar tech companies and like, oh, well, if I can't start that, what's the point? And what people are forgetting is that, or not forgetting, but aren't really considering, if you could build a $150,000 business net, like you're taking away 150K a year doing something that you love to do and you're intentionally keeping that business at that $125,000, $150,000 income, Let's say you're working with like eight clients and you're just like, look, I love working with these eight clients. I'm doing exactly what I want to do. Not a bad setup. Very minimal headaches. I can travel when I want. I can, you know, pretty much buy most things that you would need. You know, you're not buying a yacht. My family's comfortable. Yeah, My wife probably doesn't have to work. Totally. I think too many people skip that reality and jump straight to, I got to have a billion dollar idea. When it's like most people would take that like, oh, I can do whatever I want and have a great income and travel and wife's happy and the kids are doing what they want. That is what most people should be like, should be considering when getting into entrepreneurship is like, well, if I can just get to that point, sweet. Life would be good. And then if you get to that point and you're like, I want more. Yeah. Then you're, you've got a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of experience to be like, I understand that if I go from 150 to 500,000, I'm going to have bigger problems, slightly bigger, bigger headaches, but I know, I know what I'm getting into. That's where both journeys, whether you're an entrepreneur or an employee, they both work because you could get into a, a position ultimately where you're making that cool 150 K and you're only wearing that one hat or you're the entrepreneur who's working with a, a select number of clients. You're not just worried about scaling and you can get to that, that point and be able to be like, Oh, we're at this level. Talk about the car metaphor, yeah. cruise control. Boom, you hit it. Um, the The kicker to this is a matter of income and impact. If you're, and this is, this takes pure self-awareness where it's like, and by the way, you don't have to have it all figured out. Like if you were to, if you were to ask young Max when he was first getting started, well, Max, how much income do you want to have? And how much impact do you want to have? I would have probably given you a pretty vague answer or would have given you a specific answer with the caveat to, but, uh, but I'm not 100% sure. Like It's something like this, right? It's something where I'm making a, a ton of money, right? And I am actually impacting, you know, thousands of people, if not hundreds of thousands of people. That would have been my 
probably initial answer. And I think to your regard there, Jack, is then I got to that 150K point. And now it was a matter of like, I, and by the way, I have entrepreneur friends who do like to hit that cruise control button. That, by the way, like that's, to some entrepreneurs, that is like, like, how could you do that? Like you're, you're like selling out, like cashing out in a way. Um, but like, fuck those guys who are saying that you're hitting cruise control. Dude, you built it. You earned it. That's your money. That's, this is your life. It's not their life. They can go do whatever the hell they want. But if you want to do more, now you have the opportunity to. And this is not just talking about the entrepreneurship route. Like you can do this within the employee route. And not to mention, you can go from one into the other. You can go from an employee into the entrepreneur space. You can go from an entrepreneur space into the employee space. There's actually a lot of case studies done with that. Both work, but I think the most important question is what we mentioned earlier. And and be serious with this. I love doing this with my friends. My friends, like sometimes even, uh, <laughs> like sometimes I have to approach it in the right way because I don't want to be like that guy who's like, dude, tell me what is the ultimate potential in yourself? I have to do it a little more cool and like nonchalant. It's like, dude, what do you see for yourself? Like, like what kind of family you want? You know, and I'll probably put it like that. Or what, you know, we, we talk about this sometimes because you and I are friends outside of business too, is what, where do you want to live? What kind of house do you want to have? Like what kind, what kind of trips do you want to go on? You know, those answers are going to accumulate to what the ultimate potential of yourself looks like. And I think that's just the one question to get tactical with yourself on. Write it all down. Make sure that you are painting that picture and looking back at your note, like I have notes, uh, not just, not in my uh, phone here, but in my journal. And I used to journal a lot in those really beginning stages, uh, mainly because the great thing about journaling is that it allows you to audit yourself. Uh, you know, like when the IRS comes in and they're like, show me what, show me who you are. Show me that you're legitimate. Like, you know, what if you did that for yourself and you're like, show me who you are, Max, Jack, show me who you are. Are you legit? What kind of goals are you set? Right. In, in the case of journaling, you can not just talk about what you've done, but what you want to be doing. And that's a great audit for yourself. So it's like, okay, I want to be doing this. And in the mornings, I would always write down my goals in the top left corner. Uh, on the right side of the page, I would, I would just kind of write down my overall thoughts. Sometimes I would write even like poems or things that would just kind of come to my mind because I'm an artsy mother effa. And then, uh, at the end of the day in the bottom left corner, I would write down, uh, things that I've done now at the end of the day, when you write down, not just things that you've done, but what you have accomplished, you can clearly say, see on that same page is, are my actions correlating to the ultimate goal that I want? And I recommend this for anyone, whether you are taking that employee route or that entrepreneur route, are you actually saying, I want this thing and doing what you ought to be doing in order to achieve that thing? That's a really powerful thing to do. And one, one of the reasons why I really highly encourage journaling, especially in those developmental stages. And I mean, there's my journal right over there, my current one, and I still do it today. Like I, I don't do it as frequently, to be honest, um, because I think there's like phases where I don't need to be auditing everything that I'm doing on a daily basis. I've set those foundational habits so that I am doing the thing to get me to my goals. And I've proven that, but there are even some things where I take a step back and I'm like, what are my new goals? What am I doing? Am I taking those, am I taking big enough steps or strong enough steps? Am I taking steps by myself or am I doing it with the right people next to me? Like those are, those are current things that I'm writing down. So I highly recommend journaling and, and that's going to allow you to really understand what is that ultimate potential. When you just have you, a piece of paper and a pencil, the old school style. I mean, shit, you could do it with an iPad, I guess. But when you're writing that shit down, that is on ink, baby. And guess who's going to see that one day? Either yourself when you crack open that journal when you're 10, 20, 50 years older. And you're like, oh, man, I had some big goals. But look at these actions. Or or you're maybe, you know, the way I think about it is like, what if my grandson cracks open my journal one day? 
that's kind of what fires me up more. I'm like, I want him to crack those things open and be like, oh, this motherfucker manifested. He he envisioned this happening. And, and you know, we talked about this on a drive recently where <laughs> I kind of got fired up. Uh, uh, someone in the car was like, uh, like yeah, yeah, th- like, that'd be cool. You know, it was kind of like that. It was kind of like, yeah, nice. Uh, but I was like, no, I'm serious. Like, this is what I want. Like that giant house over there with the big ass barn right next to it and and like some you know boy toy like boy toys like the meaning the uh the the atvs and like the rv and the stuff on the side i'm like that's what i want like i'm not joking around when i say that and i'm just i'm not just talking the talk to myself like in the journal or even to like close friends but you gotta you know fucking walk that walk and let's just say this and i think this is a great way to tie off this pod and this is something that maybe you could really leave with it's a matter of risk and commitment if you are to take the entrepreneurship journey. You might be fully committed to the thing, but shit happens. The world turns upside down. When COVID happened, the world did a backflip. And even, I mean, so many businesses closed down. I mean, it's sad. You could be fully committed, but there might be outside factors that throw you off your rocker, throw you off the tracks. And now you're stuck on in the ditch, right? There's that level of risk. And that's where you have to be fully committed and you have to be understanding of the risk, especially dependent on the industry. When you are fully committed and you also constantly address the risk, you are going to be able to have this type of, at least be better positioned to have success. I just saw a post on Instagram. It was by, uh, I forget, Patrick Bet David. He said, uh, and I'm sure other people have said this too, it's like, only the paranoid survive. And to an extent, that is absolutely true. If I'm like as an entrepreneur, and I've just done this since I was like really young, I've always considered someone else working harder than me, someone else being more creative than me, someone else leveraging something a little bit better. And even if there is someone out there, well, fucking, I better, I better be on my shit. But even if there's not, I almost like present this type of hypothetical where it's like, <laughs> what are they doing to put me out of business? Because I'm going to start doing that thing. In fact, I'm going to do it even better. And all of a sudden it becomes this like, like you almost like, <laughs> I almost get like a fire in my eyes. Almost like a, it's like this like evil plan. It's like, how, how would I take myself out of business? What type of, what type of strategic partnerships would I do? Or what type of offers might, might I put forth? You get real tactical real quick. And so if you are going to take that entrepreneurship journey, be ready for the, the risky things that will throw you off the tracks, whether it is a client or a customer coming at you with a, a lawsuit in their hands, whether it's COVID or outside macroeconomic factors destroying your industry, um, or just simply your commitment. Are you fully prepared to take a commitment that has to handle competition? Like if you don't have competition now, you will soon. We, I was just talking to someone recently. They were like, I'm this blue ocean. A couple months later, uh, we, we caught up again. Fuck, there's this one person who's kind of like going for my same clients. I was like, what the fuck do you expect? Of course, competition's going to come. That commitment is not just for yourself, not just for your, that sleep, the time management that I talked about, but commitment to those outside factors of, of c- competitors, teams, those types of really, really important things to consider. <sighs> sorry for going deep, but also not sorry. If y'all have any ideas, any comments, questions, 
let's let's really personalize this experience like i said for for the folks listening to this thank you for watching thank you for tuning in let's take this one step further this is not just like a one one handoff to you we want to collaborate with you and actually help you uh maybe de develop your career i'm sure your industry is different i'm sure your scenario is different than mine um or but I'm, i've just been helping so many people um with this type of entrepreneurship journey and, and even employees just be able to uh take take their passions and guess what turn it into more profits so there we have it podcast 11 in the books see you in the comments